0: mindset, parenting, and of course, all the nuances of pregnancy and postpartum. From expert interviews to engaging conversations and reflections, this podcast is your trustworthy, relatable resource for learning how to practice brave through every season in your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast. Today I am here with Laura Gruden and she is a professional triathlete. Team USA and she is also pregnant with her first baby. So Laura, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah. So we connected through Instagram. She is again a pregnant triathlete and I'm going to be coaching her through the remainder of her pregnancy and have been for a couple months now and through her postpartum return to competition, which is going to be really exciting to work with a triathlete and it's uh, I don't do triathlons anymore. I'm not opposed to it, but that was a significant part of my life. So it's really fun to kind of get back into that world again. Maybe it'll make you want to do another race. (laughs) I think an Olympic distance would be my maximum. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) So tell us just like a little bit about yourself
1: as an athlete
0: and what your life is like as a professional triathlete.
1: Okay. So I have been doing triathlon for about five years. I was an amateur for two and a half years. And then I decided to take my pro card. And when I did, unfortunately, COVID hit. So things were kind of mixed up. But then I was able to start doing a couple of races. I started my pro career doing the ITU world, which is the draft legal, basically what you see in the Olympics type of racing. So sprints and Olympic. Mm -hmm. But then when COVID hit, the like Team USA couldn't really travel abroad as much. And there was a lot of restrictions. So people were like, Oh, well, why don't you try half Ironman? And I was like, Oh, my gosh, I can barely run a 10k. (laughs) I mean, how am I going to do a half marathon at the end? But I just kind of said, Okay, you know, I want to race. So I started jumping into a couple 70.3s, I've never done a full Ironman. And to be honest, I don't really have any interest. Some people say like, oh, that'll change. But I really don't think so. My boyfriend also does it. And the amount of training that they have to do for the full, I'm like, it just seems exhausting reading it, you know? Oh, uh, it's like a whole job. Yes, yes, it is. But I jumped into some 70.3s. I'm more of a mid pack athlete. I hope to change that. My training was going very well before I got pregnant and then things happened (laughs) and that's okay. And so I've kind of had to put a halt, but I really hope that like once I get back, I can kind of just get back on track and be a mom and work my way up in the rankings a bit. Ah,
0: I love it. And what was your athletic background and what were you doing before you really got involved in triathlon?
1: Okay. So growing up, I have like a swimming, running I guess some basketball, kind of like everything background. And then when I came to the University of Arizona, I swam for the masters team over there. And then I actually got into boxing, and I did that for a couple of years. It was just kind of this random connection that somebody took me to this boxing gym on the south side of Tucson, and the guy started. He's like this Native American guy. He's super cool. His name's Kiyoshi, and I more started going there because it was, I had a little bit of a hard childhood. And so it was more to build like confidence in myself and like have this protection. And so he started teaching me these tools. He's kind of like a Mr. Miyagi type guy. And then he was like, Laura, you should try boxing. I'm like, no way. And he's like, come on, like just do a couple fights. And I ended up doing a couple, but it just got a little crazy. So my parents were like, Okay, no more black eyes. Like, come on, new sport. And I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And so then from boxing,
0: you were like, I went to triathlon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, talk about versatility. I, I love it. But yeah. I, I think that's a conversation for another day. But that's what helped shape athletes so well is when they have exposure to totally different kinds of sports and you can tap into different energy systems and almost like the mental game that goes with it, too. You got to be tough.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's interesting you say that because I was listening to this podcast the other day and the guy was saying how the kids that to the age of like 14 that play a lot of sports usually are the most successful as elite athletes in a specific sport versus like if your kid just plays soccer the whole time, they don't excel like those other athletes. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Right. Like the research has supported that for so long, but what we've seen is like a culture is more of our kids specializing in baseball or, like you said, soccer. Yeah. Or whatever, at such yeah. a young age, and they only play that because I think parents think that that's what's going to give their kid the biggest advantage to be on this travel team or get more exposure, right. to club coaches or college opportunities. But the most recruited kids are the ones that were playing multiple sports and yeah. multiple yeah. getting scholarships. So, yeah, that's an area that again, this is a podcast for another day, but I'm still (laughs) fired up about because I have all like my coaching in college and stuff and just being on the recruiting side of it, you just start to see not only does the evidence match up with that, but like, we see that on paper, the kids that are most successful are the ones that come from versatile sport backgrounds and experiences. And it's cool.
1: Yeah, I know. Totally. I I had no idea. And I was just like, Oh, yeah, that really clicks. So yeah. (laughs) So you grew up as a
0: swimmer that obviously gives you a great advantage moving into triathlon, because I feel like swimming is the one that people struggle with most.
1: Yes, very (laughs) true. But it's crazy because even growing up as a swimmer, these swimmers, even though I swim mid pack, it's like, I'm still a very strong swimmer, Mm. like compared to most people. But I mean, these girls and even the guys, they're swimming Olympic level in the front pack. And you're just like, holy cow. I know it's,
0: it is such an incredible sport where you can see people be truly so good at each individual, like the swim. Yeah. And they're really yep. great cyclists and they're really great runners. And then you yes. can see it. And it's, it really is incredible that they're not just, I don't know, or like, they maybe they're really good at cycling, but the yeah. other, it's like, you have to be really good at everything.
1: Right, right. But what I am learning is like, it's all about tactics because especially since you can draft as pros, they start us all together. If you can get in the right move and the right pack, then it's such a game changer. It's just learning that right, right away.
0: So yeah, yeah. so how did you go from like boxing and then you're like, all right, I'm gonna start triathlon and like dabbling in that, I guess. And then how did you go from participating in a triathlon or triathlons to becoming pro? Yeah. What was that? Like when (laughs) you were like good or get noticed or anything like that, what was that path like?
1: Yeah, so I actually had somebody like challenge me to do a local triathlon here in Tucson, actually in Oro Valley. And I was like, no, that's so stupid. They wear these funny clothes and I don't even have a bike. I'm not doing that. And they're like, come on, Laura, like you already run, you already swim. The bike is in the sprint, I think 14 miles or 12 miles. I should know this. And he's like, we got a bike for you. Let's just try it. And I was like, okay. So we go and do it. And I like win overall (laughs) female. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, I can do that. And then I just was like, okay, we let's try a couple more just for fun. But I wasn't like seriously training or anything, just kind of running and swimming with the Masters Club and then biking here on my own. And so I did a couple more races and I just kept winning. Only like local stuff, though, you know, here in Arizona, or we went over to California and then there's this race so there's a lot of ways that you can qualify for your pro card but there's one particular way and it's called an EDR race which means elite developmental race and what you do is every single person who shows up to that particular race is competing for their pro card and so you have to finish in the top 3 in order to earn your pro card and it was in it's in San Diego where it takes place and then there's another one in Florida and so I started training more serious. I got a coach and started taking things a little more serious. And the coach said, Well, why don't you go try and let's see how you stack up. And I finished fourth in the race. Okay. And so I was like, Oh, man, like I missed the cutoff. Well, the girl who had finished second was already a pro. And so she gets taken out. And I was like, what? (laughs) It's not like, I think I was about 25 years old. So I wasn't ready to turn pro and I do like wish I would have waited a little bit longer because I just had so much to learn. But I said, I'm not getting younger. Let's just try this. Why not? And then it kind of becomes an addiction. I mean, you get really hooked into it. It's, people always say that. I was like, what are they talking about? But when you start doing it, you're like, Oh, this is really cool. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> what does it mean to be a professional triathlete? What does that mean?
1: What does that mean? Oh gosh. Well, it's you really do set like such an example to all these other people. I mean, I know when we go to the races, the way like age groupers and maybe like first year pros, people really look up to you. And it's such an honor to like be able to be such a leader to these people and show people the way. I mean, not all pros are that way, unfortunately. And some of them think that they're better than everyone else. But like, I really enjoy when people are asking like, Oh, Laura, do you have some advice for this? Or do you have some guidance for this? Because I mean, when I stepped into being a pro, I wish I would have had more people do that for me because I had no clue what I was doing. I got my butt massively kicked my first professional year. And so like, I try and be that mentor. And even if people aren't asking, it's just like in my actions and what I say. Hopefully I'm show, like giving messages to people in some sort of way. It's really a special like position to be in. And I think people like the professionals need to always be, what's the word? Like, you know, I'm grateful and it's just, yeah. You know what I'm trying to
0: say? <laughs> no, I do. I think and, like you're so approachable and I feel like people yeah for you, especially heading into this next season of life. And so with being on team USA. Is that how you would word it? Like are you required to race a certain amount of races per year or is this or is there a lot of like freedom in how you go about navigating your pro career?
1: Yeah, so us pros have our card for 3 years. Mm-hmm. You basically have to meet certain criteria in order to extend your pro card forward. When you're pregnant, you get an extension of a year and a half. And because of COVID, you got one more extension. So basically I have a two and a half year extension and tell me, what else did you ask me about that? I'm just kind of curious, like the behind the scenes of like, there's a certain amount of races. Oh yeah. 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 So no, there's not a certain amount of races that you have to do unless you're trying to like chase points to be on the Olympic team. But because I don't do the ITU draft legal stuff anymore, there's no requirement for us. It's just a requirement to meet certain criteria to continue to be a professional. I did one race in December. I was like five weeks pregnant, but now I have, like I said, that extension and no, that also as sponsors, yeah. sometimes they can put requirements, but people are so awesome, especially when you're pregnant. Like you really know who's on your team. I think pregnancy is kind of like an injury thing as well, right? Like who's there? Who's like, okay, we got this. You got a year, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I
0: think brands are really starting to pay more attention to needing to support mother as they experience pregnancy and postpartum or supporting their nursing or whatever it might be financially to just keep them in the game. You know, we've been a long way and a lot's been exposed within the last five-ish years. athlete mom. So I think it's great that more brands are becoming a lot more cognizant of the time and just the requirement of what it takes for you to be an athlete and a mom.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Totally. I mean, times definitely have changed. I agree. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Let's
0: talk about times changing because you are how many weeks pregnant now?
1: So I'm 34 weeks. I mean, we're right at the end. It flies by.
0: Yeah. I'm. You've had a really great pregnancy and I love loved connecting with you because you're just like, you're so happy and positive and it's been a really good experience. So talk yeah. about, let's take us through like pregnancy tests, being positive, thought process there to like where you're at now. What has your training been like? What have your feelings been like? What's it been like?
1: Okay. So I was training for my last race of the season, which was going to be 70.3 in Indian Wells, California. And I was super excited. I was super fit. I mean, the fittest I've ever been, but I started getting like some weird cravings and stuff. And my coach, who is also my boyfriend, he was like, Oh, that's normal. When you train really hard, like you can crave crazy things or your energy's kind of weird. And I was like, Oh, okay, for sure. So then it's the week of the race. It's about five days out till race day. And my boobs start getting like bigger. And I'm like, Sam, I don't think that's part of training. <laughs> Usually, he was, yeah, yeah. he was like, ah, uh, yeah. And I'm like, but there's no way that I'm pregnant. Like, I don't think so. And so just to give us like peace of mind, I went and got some tests and I mean, it sounds so bad, but I was literally at swim practice in the locker room before everyone had got there. And I was like, oh, I'll just take this test. We leave tomorrow just so we're both at peace. And I take a test and I'm like, oh shit. it's <laughs> And then I'm like, no, no, that's wrong. And then I take another one and I'm like, oh my gosh. And so he was out on his bike and he had his AirPods in his ears. And so I guess it's like connected to the phone. So I text him and it's like, Sam. And it like reads in his ear, Sam. And then it's like, I think I'm pregnant. And he's like, what? (laughs) Crash? Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, he's like, you can't text something like that. I'm like, what was I supposed to do? But what's (laughs) awesome is like, we both really love each other. We both want to be with each other. Like we both want kids. It's not like it was just the end of all ends. And very fortunately, like, Sam is the number one American. who's sixth in the world. I mean, he is crushing it. And so, you know, I think I do this more for fun, but like, of course, I also have goals, but he's like the main triathlete of the house. Right. And so he was very supportive. And it was actually the coolest experience because when how many people can say that me, dad, and baby were in a professional race all at the same time and dad won? Like, it, it, was, it was cool. A
0: great story. So, how did you feel during the race, given what your training had been like? Your boobs are obviously (laughs) not feeling too great, and then now you have like the mental, like, "Oh shit, I'm pregnant."
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I'm like trying to put my wetsuit on, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to suffocate in this thing." But like, my parents came, and you know, they were super supportive, and of course. I think like old school thinking, it's like, oh, you can't race, you know, you have to be careful, you're at five weeks, blah. blah, blah." but then a couple other athletes who had been pregnant, they're like, you're fine, Laura, it's no problem. I think like, what had happened, though, is I kind of was scared on the swim, because the swim can be so aggressive in the pro field, Mm -hmm. that like people are kicking and swimming on top. So I kind of like, held back a little bit. And I told like two of the girls on each side, I was like, hey, like, just so you know, I'm pregnant. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, please don't kick <laughs> me very That's those Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you're so on top of me. And then, like I said, I mean, I've had a very easy pregnancy, knock on wood. And so I think it was more like a mental thing. It's like, oh, I'm pregnant. Like, is it okay that I'm doing this? And because I just found out, I mean, four days before the race. So you have no clue what you're doing. And then I'm like eating the gels and I'm like, okay, are these okay for you? You know, those things are disgusting. <laughs> But, and then after I went into off season, so I was able to kind of take a break and digest yeah. everything. Yeah.
0: I also did a triathlon when oh, I you did very early in my pregnancy. Okay. Sit after. And like, I almost forgot about that, but <laughs> I was afraid thinking like I was going to fall off the bike or something. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Bike cycling is not my strong point um, okay. at all. Okay. It's in like being clipped in, like that's. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. It's always freaked me out, no matter <laughs> what I do. But it's just, it's interesting when you have that extra, I have this secret, nobody knows. Yes. I know that my body is very different right now. And I'm still doing this thing. And I don't know, it just feels so different to be doing something that you had planned to do, but under totally different circumstances.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, there was a little bit of pressure on me for that race because I had been like, like I said, training really well, everything had Mm -hmm. been going really well. I was kind of like putting out there, wow, I'm really excited to see, you know, my fitness and where everything has come. And it was a bit of a like mental battle because based off my performance, it was not what it should have been compared to what I was talking about, but I couldn't, I didn't tell anybody that I was pregnant. So it's like, and you know, they say, Oh, you're supposed to wait for 12 weeks and this and that. And so I felt like I had this secret in me. Mm-hmm. So right. you're like, you can't justify it yet. Like, yeah. You want to, be able to
0: defend yourself. But you're like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so hard. Yeah. So how did you like, so you finished that race and you didn't perform the way you were maybe anticipating. Yes. And it, so then was it just like conversations with who like your sponsors or other people or
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I kind of kept it to myself for, so I was about, I want to say eight weeks. And then I started telling like, yeah, the sponsors and people close to us. My family knew as soon Mm -hmm. as I found out though. And then we posted on social media, I'd say like 13 weeks or 12 Mm -hmm. weeks. Yeah. But again, you know, it's kind of like, I didn't want to use it as an excuse, but it was such a mental thing that I was like, Oh, I just got to get this out there. But so now with like after Indian Wells, you know, I was being so stubborn and I'm like, okay, I can definitely compete till I'm five months pregnant. Like these other girls did it. And you start comparing yourself. And then Sam and I were like, well, you don't need to do that. I just enjoy being pregnant and be smart. And like, why, why push it? Right. I mean, everyone has a different approach to it and mentality and like, if those girls want to do that, that's great. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned is being so patient during this time and actually like listening to my body and not overdoing things. It's going to be so good. I know we talked about it too, like the back half, right? The postpartum and coming back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, when we first talked, like, I remember how important you were, 28, seven. Yeah, something, yeah. Like when we first talked, I just remember... Being so impressed because try like endurance athlete brain is like a variation of athlete brain. Like there's athlete brain and there's like endurance athlete brain. Oh yeah, operates at a very like high (laughs) level and also kind of like a neurotic level. Yes. you are so dialed and so conscious and so routine and kind of like rigid in a lot of systems and training practices, which again, like every good athlete is but also endurance athletes are a special breed as well. Yeah. I think it says a lot that you were able on your own so early to like kind of surrender and let go of a lot of the ego, a lot of the maybe expectations that you could have previously had, or maybe others had of you and just said like, I'm going to approach this differently.
1: Yeah. I mean, okay. It wasn't that easy, (laughs) but I had this guy. Well, I have this guy that I work with. It's evolved athlete, James Brandon. And we've been working for like four years together. But when I found out I was pregnant, because like, I wasn't, we're not in a typical situation of like, Oh, we're planning this. And this is our life and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I had to really get myself up to speed with what was about to happen. And there was like, definitely a couple weeks where you're kind of like mourning a loss. You're kind of like, You're mourning your career a little bit and just kind of your life of you and Sam and all of that kind of stuff. And so that was definitely a bit hard. And I think like one thing as athletes is we get caught up in this identity of like, I'm a professional athlete. And now that I'm not, well, I, I still am, but like in a different way. It was like such a change. But I definitely had very, very I have a very good support system. And team around me, and like I said, Mm -hmm. mentally, I mean, we have been working so much to make sure that I'm always in alignment with what's going on. That I think that that's also the biggest thing that helps make my pregnancy easier. Because you know, if you're like fighting all these things all the time, it's going to show up in your body. And so, if you take care of it, it's like, okay, this is happening. Why is this happening? Deal with it, and then we move forward, right? Or if Mm -hmm. a fear's coming up, or whatever. Yeah.
0: You're like a very emotionally intelligent athlete. Uh, One of the things I try to teach any athlete that I work with is like, you have to learn how to listen to the voice that we have been trained to ignore. Yeah. yeah. Pushing through is, that is easy. Yeah, totally. Ignore the pain, push through You're tired, keep going, whatever it might be. You can always run further, lift heavier, go faster, whatever it might be. Like we are dialed that way. But to be able to kind of flip the switch to the opposite side of like, it's actually yes, it's okay if I'm not doing the routine I would normally do or the speed I would normally do or even the movements, the exercise, the training I would normally do and just being able to that voice where it's like my body needs something different now instead of pushing through that. And that's where a lot of pregnant athletes really struggle.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like you have to almost surrender yourself. You know what I mean? Because, I see these other girls that are still training and training all the way up to their pregnancy. And like I said, by all means, that's what you want to do. No problem. But there, somebody said it was like, just because I can doesn't mean I should, right? I don't know if I read that on your thing or somewhere. I'm sure that's something I frequently say. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) mine. But I certainly like
0: say it all the time. So maybe
1: totally. And I always think about that. It's like, okay, yeah, I can go swim four thousand yards in the pool but do I need to do that? Probably not. Like two to three is plenty or I can go run, but do I really need to be like having pain and doing this? No, not really. So it's definitely, it's such a game. I mean, it's such a game.
0: (laughs) Our ego tells us like, yes, well, you, you should go run, even if it hurts. Like you still need to run though. So you just need to push through it. But like pregnancy, and returning postpartum is where you have to be become so good at listening to your body. And that will be the fastest route to what you ultimately want to do. But it is slow and annoying in the moment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I think one huge thing too, is that like, I've really learned to trust my body and trust myself that, okay, if I am taking this break right now, I trust that I'm going to come back even stronger. And I trust that my team around me is going to guide me in the right direction. And that's been like huge, just trusting yourself. So,
0: yeah. And you're giving your body, like also I think it's an opportunity and that's what I try to uh, share a lot is like, it's different, yes, but it's also a good opportunity to become a better athlete, mentally, emotionally, physically. Like you weren't strength training a whole lot before, but now you can prioritize strength training a totally. lot, or and maybe you're not running as much or at all, but now you're you're focusing on another aspect of your game, essentially yeah. going to help you be a better runner and a better triathlete long term. So it's like there's an exchange that happens at a really holistic level, but also at a tactical level with how we train during pregnancy.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, and the strength training is probably going to translate to helping me be more efficient running, and I try and think about all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Definitely,
0: <laughs> absolutely. So let's talk about you. When we first started talking, you were running still, but it was getting uncomfortable, and you were kind of had some complaints about some pain. And yeah. I want to talk about that conversation because I feel okay. like it's like a really good, just a good thing to share. So
1: when we first started talking, you were running, but you were having some pain. I'm yeah gonna... the the round ligament pain, I believe, yeah. is what it's called, lower like abdomen area. And I remember telling you, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, man, I'm trying to do this, but it's just not going. And I tried to get the belt and that really didn't do anything. And you're like, okay, like, let's modify and do hills. And I was like, Oh, that's a good idea. And tits over toes, (laughs) like walk it up and down the hills. And it felt so much better. And then I just saw this random thing. I think I was telling you the other day on social media of like this guy and he's Washa, or like using this tool to scrape the your low back the quadratus muscles and all of a sudden it just kind of like released that front area as well I mean everything's so connected in some way and so now I've been able to like I'm running a little running okay I'd say like jogging <laughs> jog walk and the pain's gone I don't know if it's from that or just kind of us taking a break and saying hey laura do some hills just let your body kind of adjust to this new body yeah i don't really know but i'm feeling way better it's almost gone well,
0: i think that's the key especially for endurance athletes where the name of the game is repetition right like yeah, yeah so much volume of the same exact movement pattern over and over and over and over and then you add like speed to it uh, it's like there's a lot of variables there so it's like without saying, Hey, it's time for you to stop running. Like, how can we wean off of some of the like aspects that make up running? So maybe right. that's weaning off of distance. Maybe that's weaning off of speed. Maybe that's changing your mechanics a little bit since your body, your center of gravity, that's changed. Or if you're having like any pelvic health symptoms, okay, then maybe like repetitive impact isn't going to be it for you. The tits pose right. cue is really helpful for your core and your pelvic floor being able to respond to impact both absorb force and produce force so that's why that cue really helps a lot but it's being able to just gradually wean off of some of this repetition that is such a big part of the endurance athlete game
1: yeah like just being adaptable and I remember when I posted that video talking about how we changed from running to walking uphill I actually had some messages and people were like oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. Like walking hills, people don't realize that is actually pretty hard. And I'm like, hell yeah, my heart rate is getting so high. It is. And if you compare
0: that to just like what ends up being like the little, I call it like the pregnant shuffle run. Where yeah, you're like, yeah. You're jogging, but you're like not moving fast. That, and it's not that. pretty, right? Like, yeah. it's just like this little shuffle. And like, there's a better way of totally. getting what you want, but doing it in a different manner. So like you put them in front of a hill, Say walk uphill that puts you naturally in that tits over toes position. Your glutes become more available. It's less impact on the pelvic floor. So anybody listening, if you have like incontinence or prolapse, any kind of pain, pressure, round ligament pain in your lower abdomen, like that's a really good solution where it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like it's yeah. all something. So like, let's find some kind of solution. If you don't have hills in your neighborhood, treadmill can really work. I also love for my runners, especially triathletes, doing sled work, like sled pushing, sled pulling. Because again, that kind of puts you in that tits over toes position and that translates really well into running. That just drilling that position makes a big difference. So it really doesn't have to be stop everything, but let's change how we are going about it. And that's that's hard part for a lot of athletes to embrace. And it makes
1: your butt look good. I Strong think like,
0: glute <laughs> gains are here to be made during pregnancy. Yeah, just totally. You know, like a lot yeah. of people lose their butts during pregnancy. But I think when you have a good strength training program, and you're willing to change your mechanics up a bit. You can have some glute gains there. Totally. Sam's <laughs> like, all right, this is good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and it's gonna, it will translate really well into your postpartum, your rehab and into just so you return to competition because the strong yeah. glutes are the better position your pelvic floor is in to function.
1: Optimally. Totally. And I think also like talking about that, having the strong glutes, I mean, again, knock on wood, I haven't had any low back pain, no, nothing. And it just kind of helps everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. do. So, <laughs> like uh, I'm the expert, of course. <laughs>
0: I do have these conversations a lot, but it is true. And then going through it yourself is like you have to, you kind of have to experience it yourself to know like yeah, you, you do to prioritize right now and why. It's like we, athletes are really good with delayed gratification, but I think yeah. our egos get caught up in the moment because we kind of want that quick fix of dopamine yeah. that we get from like running a certain pace or from lifting a certain amount of weight or being yeah. number one to finish the workout in class, whatever it might be. Like we love that dopamine hit but during pregnancy, it's really like, all right, what's my delayed gratification? Well, it's not yeah. just baby. It's like, what do I want and the ways I can control my experience to be on the other side of this? You know, totally. you can't control yeah. everything. But if you go into your postpartum knowing like, man, I did everything I could to prepare my body, my brain, yeah. my lifestyle. I did everything I could. Then you're not left on the other side feeling like, oh God, why didn't anyone tell me? Or I wish I would have done this differently. Or I wish I wouldn't have just, like led so hard with my ego and would have been willing to adapt because that hindsight sucks to sit with when you're already in the in the season of postpartum where things are just harder and different anyway.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean I I totally agree. I mean that's been one of my biggest lessons too. It's just think about your end result. Yeah. For sure. All right. And you're so. very adaptable and could <laughs> do that like the
0: within 10 minutes of talking. <laughs> Man, this I love it. I love this girl. Um talk to us about another part of our conversation I really loved was when we were talking about your ideal return to competition, what that looks like. And honestly, I know that that's still, it's a very nuanced conversation and one that we can't predict, but where are you right. at right now? What were you thinking? Where are you now? How are you feeling about returning to competition after having a baby?
1: Yeah. So I know when we first talked, I was like, okay, I want to be racing in December. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm you like, know, you like three months <laughs> postpartum. It would be four, four full months. months. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. I mean, you're very supportive, but you're like, maybe we just try and go to like March or something. But I'm actually at peace with when I do come back. I I really have read a lot that if you take the first two weeks very seriously with your rest after giving birth, you know, you can really help the healing process and coming back. And, you know, like I said, I'm very fortunate that Sam is so successful in this field. So he's providing the diapers, <laughs> yeah. but I am at peace with, okay, if December isn't ideal, then March can be the start of the season. And in a way it is convenient if I do wait till March, because the season mostly ends in October. So I'd <laughs> kind of be an off season with everyone yeah. and then slowly building to get race ready in March again. But, you know, of course, like in the beginning, I was very stubborn and I was like, okay, I've seen these other girls come back. They did in four months, blah, blah, blah. But it, I don't need to do that. Like, why? I have two and a half years. I might as well take it slow, get my body healthy and strong, and then tackle right. the race. So, yeah. yes. The thing
0: you said <laughs> to me that really stood out was like, when I come back, I want to come back and compete. I don't want to yeah. just finish or complete the race. I want to. Be like in the mix. Like I want to compete and feel totally. good. And I loved that. And I loved that perspective because I think so many people are, they're led through this desperation to get back and to feel like themselves again. And like, they're really motivated to like, yeah, I had a baby, but that hasn't stopped me like that kind of thought process, but it's, it's not just completing it because frankly, you could, you could yes. go incomplete, totally. yep. but at what cost from an experience right. perspective, from a long-term pelvic health perspective and frankly a long-term performance perspective as a professional athlete right what does it take to get your athletic readiness there and so when you're telling me like that four months ish postpartum timeline and thinking like could you complete it yes totally right but you'd probably feel like shit doing that and I don't think that's what you want from like from a mental and emotional perspective your first race back as a mom but we put so much pressure on ourselves yeah. in a sport like triathlon, your runway for being ready for that kind of volume for a 70.3, like that requires a lot of training on the front end. You need a long yeah. way in order to build to that. And then when you add like postpartum recovery and mom life and yeah. to a new little human, it's just hard right. you know, to be able to like really weigh all these things. And there's no right answer. It's just like, Here's yeah. all the different considerations at play. What makes most sense for you? What do you right.
1: like? and Yeah, that, And you were so and, good with that. Well, I mean, a big thing too, I was like, gosh, like I actually want to be part of my child's life, especially they say like zero to three is so important. And I'm like, yes, triathlon is very important to me. We get so obsessed with our sport and our training and this and that. You almost forget about like life and what's been really cool about being pregnant and actually taking a break from my athletic life is I'm like experiencing life. I do my hair and I put some makeup on and I get my nails done and I'm present with my feelings and emotions because when we're training, we're so exhausted all the time. You kind of like are almost a little bit like a robot. Now i it's like, Oh, I like feel things and not that I wasn't before, but it's just, it's so I'm not as tired. I can like, actually go and read my book and do some work. And I'm just enjoying life. And so and when the baby comes, I'm like, gosh, there's going to be this like little human relying on me. And I want them to feel secure with me. And I don't want to be abandoning them because I got to go ride my bike for five hours, like slowly build my way back in March and be able to be a part of my child's life as well. So yeah, you have perspective that most
0: of us first time moms don't gain until we're already on the other side of it. So we're like a year and a half postpartum and we're like, shit, (laughs) why was I in such a hurry? And then like, it because like so much has changed and there's that eagerness because there's so much identity attached to your routine and your ability and what you expect of yourself, what others expect of you. But you just have such athletic maturity that shines through. And like, I said this to you before, but you're just, you're already so far ahead of the game. Like the Thank hardest you. work is already over because that's like that mental and emotional space of this all transition right. in your life and identity being really fluid and you will be a better athlete on the other side of it because you're going to be a different athlete. And I hope
1: so. Huge. I can't. I can't take all the credit. Like I said, I've had great guidance from Evolved Athlete, and he's really just taught me all these ways because I was like that before. I was like, oh my god. When we talked, I was like no, December, like I got to be back. What do you think? And you're like, ah, like I said, as soon as things come up that like, I feel, ooh, this doesn't feel so great. I work on it and I tackle it. And I'm like, okay, how do we change our perspective or adapt to this? And I think that's so important. You have, again, you have so much
0: (laughs) athletic maturity that will, it will set you up to be the athlete and the mom that you really want to be. And I think that's, it's just such a huge opportunity that I wish more people would kind of take on, like take on that oh, really? challenge of, instead of trying to challenge yourself from a, from a training perspective during this season, challenge yourself from a, the growth opportunity that is like literally being handed to you and how we approach our training and our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with our body, with our identity, all these different right. things that yeah. kind of get triggering
1: during this season of change. Totally. And and I think like some people's mentality is like, oh, well, I sacrificed for nine months, my body and myself for growing the baby. And now it's time for me to get back. But like, I've tried to switch that mentality to like, well, I mean, even my post today, it's like, I'm so grateful that this baby chose me and like, I get to carry this baby for nine months. And then I'm so grateful to be able to have a life with them. And so kind of just changing little things like that can make such mm-hmm. a huge difference. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so proud of you. You're doing a really oh, good thank job. You. I think you're an incredible example to so many female mm-hmm. athletes, whether they're at a professional level or just as like average humans of just what it means to have like a long lasting relationship with sport and fitness and health and how that evolves through different seasons. You're definitely going to be setting a great example for the younger women in triathlon that are coming up in these communities, especially because we didn't talk about this in the beginning. Like, what I love about the endurance sports world, especially for women is that they peak later yeah. than other sports. Yes, not, yes. Like, All of our listeners know that, but like a lot of people find success in endurance sports, like over 30, would you? Yeah,
1: totally. That? I think it's like, I've heard it's 32 to 36 or something yeah. is your peak time. Yeah. Yeah. And most of the women actually, who are very, very successful are in that age range, especially in the Ironman distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And I think that's, I mean, that alone just tells us like, athleticism does not end
0: when motherhood begins. Like we're not, no. we're not, you don't have to be counted out after this. Like there's so much athletic upside and potential that could be tapped into. And you right. don't have to choose between being a mom and participating at a high level or at a recreational level, whatever level that may need to be. And this is, I just think the endurance sports world is such an incredible example of the trajectory of where women's sports is going anyway. But we've Mm -hmm. just been told that, well, after like 22 to 25, like you're kind of, you've reached your peak then and it's down to that. But I don't find that to be true, especially in 2023. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Laura, thank you so much for spending time with us today on the podcast. We're going to be cheering for you through the remainder of your pregnancy and we'll have you on again when your baby is here. So what month are you due in? I am due August
1: 1st. Okay. So, so
0: I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. And that is coming right up. I had an August 5th baby. So I know oh, you're okay. pregnant during the summer it's so much fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know you're just basically half naked all day. <laughs> literally like no clothes and
0: sweating. Anymore. Yeah just jump in a pool.
1: Yeah. You do there you that's what I'm doing every day.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. And where can people follow your journey? Where are you sharing most at?
1: Yeah. So most of my journey is just on Instagram, Laura Gruden. And I used to have Facebook, unfortunately I got hacked. So that's gone. <laughs> but yes, Instagram, you can also follow Sam and I on YouTube. We have a, sam long's youtube channel and he usually throws in some pregnancy stuff so yeah. we're gonna do the watermelon challenge after this race oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: gonna be so fun well we're excited to follow you and see what your what your experience ends up being like and we're cheering for you and thank you so much for sharing so much of your wisdom yes
1: yes thank you for having me thank
0: you so much for listening to this episode of the practice brave podcast if you enjoy the show please leave a review and help us spread the work we are doing to improve the overall information and messaging in the fitness industry and beyond now if you are pregnant and you are looking for a trustworthy exercise program to follow i have you covered the pregnant athlete training program is a well-rounded program for pregnancy with workouts for each week that are appropriate for your changing body that's 36 weeks of workouts three to four workouts each week, and tons of guidance on exercise strategy. We also have an at-home version of that program. If you are postpartum and you're looking for an exercise program to follow, the eight-week Postpartum Athlete Training Program would be a really great way to help bridge the gap between rehab and the fitness you actually want to do. From there, we have the Practice Brave Fitness Program, which is an ongoing strength conditioning program where you get new workouts each week and have a lot of guidance for myself and my co-coach Heather Osby. This is the only way that I'm really offering ongoing coaching at this point in time. If you have ever considered becoming a certified Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism coach, I would love to have you join us. Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism is a self-paced online certification course that will uplevel your coaching skills and help connect the dots between pelvic health and long-term athletic performance, especially during pregnancy and postpartum become who you needed, and become who your online and local community needs by becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. Thank you again for listening to the Practice Brave podcast. I appreciate you. And please help me continue spreading this messaging, this information, and
1: this work.